Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Stanley Kurtz is with us again to speak about education issues, as he has a few times before, uh, this time about an episode really involving the AP, which he's covered for many years, uh, and what happened down in Florida. Uh, Stanley uh, does have a PhD. He is now a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. He's the author, too, of many books and, and articles, but we'll just get right to it. Welcome, Stanley. Mark, thanks so much for having me. Now, you've written a piece, a few pieces now, at National Review covering this controversy, which started with the release of a new AP course in African-American studies. Uh, when did this first come to your attention? Well, uh, the College Board, Mark, has been keeping, had been keeping, the curriculum of its pilot AP African-American studies program a secret but I managed to obtain a copy of this uh, secret curriculum uh, last summer, and in, um, in September of uh, 2022, I wrote the first piece based on that curriculum showing, I think, pretty clearly, that the curriculum uh, in the last quarter was pushing uh, radical Marxist ideology, and I mean Marxist very literally. Uh, yes, the radical writers favored by uh, the College Board in this curriculum emphasized um, culture, emphasized um, African-American ethnicity. They were not strict economic determinists, but having said that, they were determined to overthrow capitalism and they were very consciously coming out of a Marxist and even um, communist tradition. Uh, so a, a group of very like-minded Marxist um, advocates dominated the entire last quarter of the College Board's curriculum. So I put out a piece to that effect in September. Uh, at that point, I was basically ignored because the College Board, by keeping the curriculum secret, was able to suppress debate. I mean. Some people like yourself, you know, might have read that, uh, my piece, and said, okay, Stanley's right, we've got a problem here. But most of the uh, people on the left would have just shrugged their shoulders and said, well, Kurt says everything is communist, so uh, we don't have to pay any attention to him. Uh, and it was only later, uh, thanks to Governor DeSantis uh, saying no to the college board, that the curriculum leaked and people saw, I think, that it really was quite radical, and a giant national debate has ensued. 
So let me let me go back for for a moment in in uh, ask a biographical question because you've been in debates as I mentioned with AP before, for instance, about the U.S. history AP course that the College Board put out. Do you want to give us just a, a quick recap of that episode, just to give an idea of the College Board uh, AP not being really a neutral educational? You know, mainstream organization. I mean, it's mainstream, uh, but but certainly not in terms of its its uh, its orientation. Absolutely, Mark. Prior to uh, about 2014, the College Board was not excessively political. At that point, prior to 2014, if you were say teaching AP U.S. history, uh, the College Board simply provided a minimalist outline of items you needed to cover. So you needed to teach about the Mexican War, and et cetera, et cetera. And you could teach it pretty much any way you wanted. And there would be conservative teachers who leaning in that direction, uh, leftist teachers leaning in that direction, and people who weren't particularly political uh, or who were moderate somewhere in between. But um, the College Board wasn't forcing anything. But after David Coleman got in as president of the College Board, he changed the policy, and the College Board began to issue fairly detailed curricular frameworks that more or less forced teachers to teach the AP U.S. history, AP European history, AP art history, a whole series of AP courses in a very particular way. And these frameworks were designed by the same leftist academics who dominate our colleges and universities. So in effect, at that point, uh, the College Board's AP program became uh, politicized. And this was very clever because uh, the AP has, uh, in effect, a monopoly on um, college equivalency testing. Technically, states and local school districts are in control of their, their own curriculum. But by pushing the AP program uh, with a very particular curriculum, and by expanding that program, which the College Board was doing at the same time, uh, bringing more and more students into it, the College Board could make an end run around state and local control and, in effect, force uh, leftist curricula on the entire country, turning itself into a kind of de facto unelected national school board. You know, I want, I'm just, I want to mention that you that that. That's a quote from one of the essays that you've done that the college board in in having this control. And of course, you know, AP courses are so important now to the the high achiever uh, group that it is able to, quote, as you put it, act like a de facto national school board. It it, it is something that no one has. Uh, you, you challenge this, you and others. Like in the U.S. history course, you challenge this, this, this uh, uh, prerogative that they have. What happened in that episode? In that battle, Mark, which played out uh, between about 2014 and 2015, people like myself, the National Association of Scholars, and a number of other uh, writers and scholars challenged the College Board's AP U.S. history curriculum uh, for its leftism, its radicalism, uh, the easiest sort of soundbite version of this was that 
it was utterly laudatory when it came to Roosevelt's New Deal and other Democratic presidents, but it was obviously very biased against uh, Ronald Reagan. And there were lots of other problems in the curriculum as well. And when this was challenged, at first the College Board ignored it. Uh, finally, when the conservative challenge spread, the College Board issued a revised curriculum framework. The problem is it was, a, it was really a bogus revision because the new textbooks uh, conformed to the leftist curriculum had already been published. None of that was changed. The uh, teachers had all had their syllabi approved. So this was really for public consumption. And they put in a few uh, code words meant to please conservatives, but the gist of the curriculum remained the same. So it was a bogus rewrite. But at that point, I would say, in some sense, the College Board won uh, because the, the dispute died down. But, but from that moment, there came a desire on the part of many uh, traditionalists and conservatives to create some kind of competition for the College Board, something that could break their monopoly over advanced placement testing. And there is a group like that, uh, American Achievement Testing, that hopes one day to become that kind of competition. But for now, the College Board is a billion-dollar company. And uh, I do think this latest controversy has renewed momentum and something really might happen to change the status quo. But uh, since 2014 until now, the College Board has remained in total control. Yeah. You, you say in one of the pieces that when, uh, as, as this course was being developed and as it you know, materialized, it came out with, quote, great fanfare. What were people saying about it? Well, it's remarkable, Mark, really, uh, to have these laudatory pieces in the New York Times and the Washington Post and all sorts of other media about this wonderful course. Uh, and it would quote Henry Louis Gates and various prominent um, African-American scholars, but it would never tell you anything about the curriculum. <laughs> because the curriculum was secret, and then the, the article would mention, well, the College Board hasn't released the curriculum. Now, you would think the press would be going at the College Board and saying, why are you keeping this secret? And Or at least saying, well, how can we praise this course or take the word of scholars who we know are behind this course without actually seeing what it says? So the media was doing its usual sort of lapdog dance, you might want to say, and... Um, no one was paying attention. And again, I got a copy of the curriculum and revealed all the things that are controversial now. And this was also ignored by the mainstream press. You call the course a specimen of, quote, outright proselytizing for a socialist transformation of the United States. Can you give us a, a quick example? Well, there is an author which, until recently, uh, almost no one uh, except for leftist activists has actually heard of. His name is Robin D.G. Kelly. Robin D.G. Kelly. This guy is a rock star within academia for his leftism. Uh, he wrote his first book was a study of um, black communists in the South. And he was a member of... Uh, communist uh, splinter party, radical uh, Maoist style uh, 
party in the 60s and 70s, um, a dyed-in-the-wool radical Marxist, and uh, he got famous about 20 years ago when he put out a book which was a kind of history of the um, black American left, which emphasized its radical tradition uh, and which pushed in the in the nicest way for some kind of revolutionary change. Robin D.G. Kelly is very bright. He's a great writer. He has a knack for making the idea of a communist revolution seem uh, gentle and nice and kind. How, and how, uh, so, so, but, but wait, Stanley. He he doesn't go back to the '60s himself, though. He writes about the '60s, right? That's right. Right. That's right. right. And uh, his, his book uh, is coming out in a in a 20 year anniversary um, yeah. edition. Yeah. Uh, but he was a member of one of these parties that began in the 60s. Right. One of these right. radical Maoist yeah, um, I, parties. I should say, Stanley, uh, 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 Kelly and I were hired the same year at Emory University. We were assistant professors together. Oh, how interesting. For, for a few years. But then he got, he got yeah, it was, it was very clear early on. I think he was the University of Michigan PA, history PhD. Clear early on, he had... He had the the lingo, the activist uh, outlook, and he had a lot of charisma as as a young whippersnapper, you know, and and he was going places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's very impressive. I'm not saying he's not bright. Uh, far from it. He's uh, he's very impressive. So it turns out that one of the authors of the AP African-American Studies curriculum was a close colleague of Robin D.G. Kelly, and um, they both are protégés of uh, Cedric Robinson, famous um, uh, for writing Black Marxism and the uh, history of the Black radical tradition. And when I looked at the curriculum, I saw that not only was Kelly there, but really almost every author in the curriculum uh, was was broadly speaking in the black radical tradition that Cedric Robinson approved yeah. of, and so I could see that it was really Kelly who typified the whole last quarter. And when you look at the books of these writers, you will see they all have blurbs from all the other writers who are in the <laughs> curriculum. You you wouldn't see a Glenn Lowry or a John McWhorter. You wouldn't see even a liberal like John McWhorter, yeah. um, a black writer, much less a conservative like uh, Glenn Lowry. They were all part of a tight group of socialist radicals. Uh, sometimes even their work uh, is published by the same press, Haymarket Press, uh, which is now offering free books of all the authors in the original radical curriculum to high school students. <laughs> so they've reaped a, a publicity bonus from this. Uh, and again, even to this moment, most, I would say not all, but most of the mainstream media stories about this controversy fail to mention the real objection of conservatives, which is that these radicals are assigned almost exclusively in the latter part of the original curriculum with no balance. I mean, yeah. this is this is ignored, and instead, DeSantis is falsely accused of being opposed to black studies per se, which right. is not the case. Well, let's get okay. So the shock hit them. They had 
Stanley, they must have felt, oh, yeah, we've got all the momentum here. We got an AP course in African Americans. We're going to get huge enrollments right off the bat. And then they got the shock uh, out of the blue from Florida. What happened? Well, you're, you're right, Mark, I, about their mindset. I think there was a sense that no one would dare to say no to an African-American studies course, and therefore we can slide in all of these radical readings that ordinarily no state and no local school board would approve of, and we could just slide all that in under the imprimatur of African-American studies and no one will dare to say no. And so when DeSantis did say no, it, it was like an earthquake. And right now, uh, and I have followed this to, to some fair degree, yeah. the, uh, the left is absolutely livid. They are truly uh, concerned because this is the first thing I can recall in quite some time that really calls the cultural power of the academic left into question. Up to now, whatever they recommend is, is what is taken as law by uh, the school system, by the mainstream media, they're by not, everyone. They're not used to anyone saying no, are they? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they, they are very upset because they understand that if this can happen once, it can happen again. Yes, DeSantis is unquestionably in a leadership role here, but with other states having passed um, CRT laws and similar sorts of legislation, the left understands very well that this this may not at all uh, stay in Florida. And so their cultural power in half the country has been thrown into doubt by this single move. And, and the allegation from DeSantis was that this course actually violates Florida law as you put it in, in one of your pieces. Absolutely, Mark. For example, and I noted this in one of the pieces, if you look at the Florida's uh, Stop Woke Act, it said you, you should not teach children that colorblindness is racist. Well, one of the authors uh, assigned in the original curriculum, Eduardo Bonilla Silva, uh, is famous for a book called Colorblind Racism. <laughs> and all of his articles, you know, play out that uh, play out that idea. And so I don't know how you can get more clearly uh, opposed to uh, the legal, uh, the law uh, passed by Florida than Eduardo Bonilla Silva. And yet, and to go back to the initial media stories on... Um, on this course, that every one of them said, oh, this doesn't violate any of the CRT laws. Now, that was just false. That was flat out false. And you could see it if you study the curriculum. And they kept the curriculum secret. So not only did they praise this course, they gave false public assurances about the content of the course and um, and the college board kept the cu curriculum secret. Meanwhile, the college board was pressing Florida, we now know, uh, continually asking Florida and other states, presumably, to give formal approval to this course, a course which clearly violated its law. 
And Florida was saying, no, we're not going to do that. We need to investigate this course. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you were looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Stanley, you you mentioned the secrecy. Did... Did the college board actually want to keep it secret so that critics like you wouldn't get any any chance to weigh in before everything's already in place and it's already done? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so here you have the college board uh, on a matter of the highest public interest and importance trying to get approval from a state for a course before there's any public debate. And and so we already talked about how the college board was an unelected national school board. Here we see how they're trying to get formal government approval for a course that literally violates state law without making it public in a way that allows people like myself uh, to assess it against the law yeah. and and make the public aware of that. So I, now, I just it's completely irresponsible. Well, now when when people uh, counterattacked against DeSantis and and Florida, you actually got a hold of further materials that corroborated Florida's position. How did that go? Well, that's right. I, uh, at first, when I wrote my article in September of 2022, I only had a copy of the curriculum, the initial pilot curriculum, and that, that then leaked during this controversy. But what no one has seen yet, uh, except for myself, is the teacher's guide that accompanied that curriculum. Right. Now, the curriculum was actually written very vaguely. I think it was written in a way that would uh, almost intentionally make it difficult for a state to figure out what was in it. But the teacher's guide uh, is much more explicit. It actually gives readings. The curriculum just mentioned the names of people without giving the uh, reading assignments. Hmm. The teacher's guide has specific reading assignments. It mentions various books and articles and also has lists of concepts that the teachers should uh, try to to uh, get the students to grasp. And um, this uh, absolutely uh, confirmed and drove home the radicalism of the curriculum. Uh, One of the assignments by uh, one of these radical Marxist writers, uh, Kianga Yamada Taylor, uh, was again, like Kelly, uh, overtly uh, revolutionary and overtly Marxist. I mean, the last chapter of her book on Black Lives Matter is a defense of uh, Marx and Marxism and of the importance uh, for uh, the movement, uh, the radical black movement in America of Marxist theory. This is literally what her book is about. And the book is assigned in the course. And then there are themes and questions and concepts in the teacher's guide which attack uh, the idea of uh, blacks uh, being part of the American cultural fabric 
as assimilationist, quote unquote, mm -hmm. in a bad way, as uh, middle class uh, politics uh, said in a derogatory way, uh, uh, with the implication, this is in the unit on the Black Panthers, that you ought to take the uh, Marxist revolutionary stance of the Black Panthers instead. Now, DeSantis gave the college board the opportunity to revise. What happened? Well, uh, <laughs> the college board, to an astonishing degree, did in fact make changes along the lines that DeSantis requested, all the while denying that any of the <laughs> changes had anything whatever to do with DeSantis or with any conservative critics. And... Um, and the result was a course uh, that stripped out most, but not all, of the overt radicalism. For example, the Black Panther unit uh, with all of those problematic um, uh, themes that I just mentioned is still in the course. But in the last quarter of the course, uh, dealing with contemporary controversies, most of the uh, radical Marxist readings were stripped out. That is to say, stripped out of the requirements for the course. There is still a paper topic, which is mandatory, but you have the option of choosing between some of these radical readings, which are now optional paper topics, or the College Board added optional paper topics on black conservatism as well. So the course was considerably improved, and it would have been entirely understandable uh, if DeSantis had declared victory, so to speak, and accepted the revised course that would not perhaps have been everything he had asked for, but had moved massively in his direction. And he may ultimately still do that. Well, well that let, me, let me, there, what... there's another, yeah, there, there, there are a few steps here. You, because it, it, it seemed like it was over, I mean, that, that, that sort of, uh, they did the revisions, they got rid of most of stuff. We can, we can say this was, this was a win for a, a better history of things. But you just came out with another piece uh, just, just in, the, in the last, the, the other day, stating that, wait a minute, DeSantis hasn't really approved, fully approved this new version, correct? That's right. That's right. And I think, Part of the problem is that the College Board, as I noted briefly, was going around and saying, well, DeSantis had nothing to do with this. Um, I think that's important, not just for narrow purposes of political credit, so to speak, but because the College Board seemed overtly to be denying the very principle that states ought to have input into their own curriculum. Instead, the College Board was effectively saying, well, we've only done this because scholars told us to do this, which was first uh, completely unbelievable yeah. uh, uh, when you see the timeline that Florida published of its interactions with the College Board. But second, it, it's a, it sends a disturbing message, which is basically uh, states, we will ignore you and do whatever we want. It's funny that the College Board was bragging about not listening to the states, but the reason it was doing that is because the left was absolutely furious at the College Board, and the College Board found it very awkward to acknowledge that, well, yes, 
we did make some changes along the lines that Florida asked us to make because this would have gotten them and has gotten them utterly excoriated uh, by the blue states and well, by the left and by people like Rob and D.G. Kelly and his allies. You, you know, just on, on that issue of, of scholars, what is to stop the college board from saying, hey, look, this isn't us. What we have done is consult leading academics in the field. And if you don't like the result, your problem isn't with us. It's with the, the field of African-American studies itself. Well, that is what they have done, and they're right in the following sense. I do believe that the original course was a, was a fairly accurate representation of African-American studies courses as they actually exist in academia. That is to say, African-American studies in academia is political advocacy, radical, leftist, quasi-revolutionary political advocacy, and this raises a larger problem. Because now that the College Board has, has tried to bring what are popularly called the studies courses uh, in, one, in one prominent example into high school, it's likely that they're going to try to do this with the other. So we will have right. courses, AP courses on African American studies, uh, Latino studies, women's studies, gender studies, environmental studies. They'll probably develop a transgender studies eventually. And all of those courses are famously more about political activism than about a traditional disciplinary scholarly approach. And the sad truth is that in today's academy, the studies programs not only have proliferated and distorted the mission of our colleges, but their basic approach has now essentially infiltrated and taken over even the traditional academic disciplines. Yeah. So right now, the whole university is a kind of a politically motivated studies program. Well, why not? Why not the College Board say, "Who needs Florida? We'll 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 try there again when when DeSantis is out of office." But we're we're going to continue exactly what we've done in the rest of the country. Well. That raises the question of what the other red states will do. Uh, and that is a political question and even a legal one. Now, actually, despite all the publicity, by no means has every red state passed a bill uh, barring the promotion of critical race theory from its K-12 classrooms. But quite a few states have. Yeah. And uh, the, the, at least the original version of this course uh, violated that. So what is going to happen with other states that have CRT bills? On the other hand, the College Board has toned down the course, and I think a victory that DeSantis has won already is that the College Board at this point, I think, even if it does create other studies courses, and even if they are biased to the left, which they will be, just like even this revised course still is, they will not be nearly as overtly revolutionary and uh, political yeah. as the first version of this course was, because the College Board has been warned off of all that. So DeSantis has actually set a precedent here that will tone down the content. It may not be perfect, and states still may want to block them. But even if they don't, I think uh, DeSantis has done something that will reverberate through any future effort by the College Board, and that is really a tribute uh, to DeSantis. He has, and that is why the left is so upset because they know that. 
And and Stanley, I mean, the political question to ask here is, has and, and maybe other governors are looking very carefully at this, has this action by Governor DeSantis proven a political win or loss? How has it affected his political standing in the state? Well, I haven't seen any uh, particular polling out of this, but I think it's been a massive help to him. I do think the ultimate resolution of this will matter uh, if, let's say, he got the Republican presidential nomination uh, in a general election. Would it hurt him to uh, still not have approved African-American studies? That would argue for sort of taking the win which he has already legitimately gotten. On the other hand, the college board is making it easy for DeSantis to be able to turn down this course without actually saying a permanent no, mm -hmm. because uh, this the course, the college board has been bragging about the fact that uh, the some of the radical readings are still there. They're they're now part of the mandatory uh, paper as optional paper topics. The college board is is trying to prove to the left that the course isn't that different, but that is allowing DeSantis to say, well, if it's not that different, we're not going to approve it. Yeah. And so DeSantis can still say legitimately, uh, I'm in favor of African-American studies, but your course is still too radical. And in some ways that lets him have his cake and eat it too. Um, I think the college board is in a terrible trap. Uh, it can't go any further to appease DeSantis because if the left is furious at it. But if it doesn't go further, it risks losing the red states. And this reflects the essential uh, problem behind having one company have a de facto monopoly over advanced placement testing, a company controlled by leftist professors. What we really need is more than one company so that states and school districts can choose between different approaches, and that would really solve the problem. Uh, check out Stanley Kurtz's essays uh, tracking this story for several months now uh, at National Review, nationalreview.com. Meanwhile, we'll, we'll look for more, more things coming along on this, uh, on this development. Stanley Kurtz, thank you for joining us. Mark, thanks so much for having me. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.